0: welcome to the front court female podcast i'm your coach jillian and i pick you for my team you win in the end so get into the game So this is Laura. Laura is a certified health coach who specializes in weight loss support. She transforms people's relationships with food. And the name of your game, right, Laura, is uncovering the real reasons that you are stuck in your health journey. Yes. Yes. Now on this podcast, I discuss relationships you know, the relationship to yourself being the main focus. And I think if you don't think that you have a relationship with food, I would invite you to re-examine that. Um, I recently did. I'm known for like being passionate about health and fitness, but I recently examined my relationship with food and body image. And I found a lot of areas of improvement. So today is part one, and we're focused on our body image chat. It's to be here. Yes, thank you for coming. I'm so excited. There's so much to hit with this. So the view from Laura's Court, what is like a condensed version of your story? What's your story?
1: So my story started when I was 12, and I really struggled with my weight, went to my first diet program when I was 13 with my parents, and I really battled food and my weight for years. And in my late twenties is when I was able to finally work towards losing weight for myself.
0: I just, I can't believe 13. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. 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 And it was, yeah, it was, I was like almost 200 pounds and I was wearing like a size 16 or 18 women's. So it was crazy.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what makes you passionate about examining the relationships that we form between food and our struggles with body image? Like, uh, you know, obviously it applies, it stems from your story.
1: Yeah. So what makes me really passionate about it is I thought that I was meant to be overweight and I struggled with my weight since I was 12. And once I was able to lose 60 pounds and was able to maintain it, I felt like if I could do it, then anybody could. Plus I was really passionate about helping other people. So I worked in advertising for 13 years. And as I was going through my weight loss journey, people were coming to me asking me for Advice and like helping them to stay motivated and to keep their willpower up. And I really enjoyed that. So, I, as I was losing my purpose and passion and excitement for my career, I started to explore what I really wanted to do. And that's when I learned about health coaching and decided to get my certification. And as I was getting my certification, even though I had lost weight and was maintaining uh, the weight loss of 60 pounds, I was also doing what I call working the system where I'd eat well for a while, then I would. Say, screw it, eat whatever I wanted. I'd rein it in again. And then I would start eating healthier again so that I would lose some weight. And it was a super exhausting pattern. And I decided to start working with my own health coach to really explore why I was sabotaging myself and why I could stay disciplined sometimes, but not all the time. And that's when I realized that this is really what I wanted to do to work with people because. We can have all the information and we can know what we should be doing, but we don't necessarily do it. And I became really passionate about helping people understand the why that they're not able to do it so that they can really have more sustainable results.
0: Yeah. You told me it's something you do while working with clients now is help them figure out their why. So there's like a sacred why and um, we have to kind of identify that at the beginning of your work.
1: Yeah. And the why is more of like what is leading to the patterns that are taking them off track, because there is in like diet culture and just in general, it's like, you need a solid why as to why you want to lose weight. And if you don't have this like really powerful reason to do it, then you're not going to stick to it. And that will only take you so far. And so there's a little, there's two different parts of a why, I guess, like one is, the why you want to reach goals. And then there's the why of what is actually keeping you stuck. So that's where I, we get really clear on what somebody's goal is and how their life would improve if they were to reach their goal. And we understand why they're keeping themselves stuck and how they're sabotaging themselves.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And like, I'm just kind of stuck on, I can't believe that you were 13 Like in Weight Watchers, was that just so hard? Like, were people were were people kind of hard on you? Was that like really difficult to navigate, or did you feel like your parents and like doctors were supportive and helpful?
1: You know, I don't really remember how I felt there. I think I was kind of numb to it. Of
0: like all you knew.
1: Yeah, and I was surrounded by all these adults, and so I think that I think it was kind of exposing to be in a space with all of these adults and a 13 year old and it's like what's wrong with me and why am I a teenager in this room right now having to work on my weight when my friends are out playing and they don't have to they don't have to deal with this that's crazy and
0: that is such an incredible amount of things that you had to like overcome from that I just I can't imagine that so that's so interesting thank you for sharing that so I was going to share my little story because I just think like I told you that it's so helpful and sort of relatable. So my, my story with, with this is in regards to like last year around this time, really, I was active to like a point of insanity. It might have been too much. I was weightlifting most days. I was then leaving the gym and I was heading to the court. <laughs> I was like playing basketball four times a week. This was all after working all day. And so I was like counting macros really closely, which isn't really something that bothers me. But I mean, I, I'm sure we don't recommend that to people that hate it. I just I didn't mind it. I stayed consistent for a few months. Out of nowhere, my, I hit my goals. So like, there's no other way to describe it. I had reached 12% body fat. Like I had the abs. I was like really toned at this ideal weight. I just completely like hit every goal I had. And I remember being at the gym and, and my personal trainer who, he's incredible. Like, obviously I met my goals through him. He's so good at what he does. All the credit to him, but he was there and he like rarely gives kudos, right? And he was just like, Jillian, you did it. Look at you, you know, you've arrived. You stayed consistent, you're here. And I appreciate it. I was like, thank you. But, and then, so at that moment, he walked out of the gym and I was just standing there. And I was like, taking off my boxing gloves and I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, now what? I just, I was standing there like, okay, I've arrived. Like, it, it doesn't feel like anything. And I'm taking an inventory there for a minute and I'm standing there and I'm like, well, what do I do now? And so I'm like, well, I guess I take a, a mirror selfie. <laughs> So I like take the mirror selfie. Literally to this day, I've never even shown it to anyone. It was just like, what do I, what do, I do? I feel empty. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I haven't been out dating because that was too many calories. I haven't been seeing my girlfriends either. That's too many calories. I haven't had time to do anything except for be at the gym. And I was like, yeah, so now what? And shortly after that, you know, the pandemic like dropped and I was not able to maintain that lifestyle anymore. But I vividly remember the feeling of the arrival and like the subsequent letdown. <laughs> And then now what? So I hear people often referencing, you know, the things they'll do once they lose the 10 pounds or once they get the abs or once they get to this goal or this body type and that feeling of now what it like rushes back to me. So in reference to all of that, my story, my question is sort of, have you been here or does like the word balance mean to you in regard to setting health goals? Because clearly when I met my goals, I lacked balance.
1: Yes. And there's so many things in there that I wanted to talk about. So first, yes, I've been there. And one of the things that I found for myself is that even though I was at my goal weight for years, I, especially when I started my business, I found myself wanting to still lose more weight. And I would find that there were some days that I felt really great and confident in my body. And then other days where I would fall into a crisis mode of oh my God, I need to lose weight. I need to just drop a couple of pounds. And so a lot of times we think that when we hit our goals and lose weight, that we're going to arrive and life will be better. We'll be able to put ourselves out in the dating world more, or just be more confident. And it's really interesting because you got there, and yet nothing really changed in your life, right? Except that it sounds like you were feeling more isolated because you were um, you weren't able to be as social to stay so focused on your goals. Would you say that that's kind of true? Like, were you feeling fairly isolated because you weren't able to get out and date or see friends because it was going to, you would probably do that around drinking or eating? Yes, for sure. I felt
0: isolated. I would probably classify it as lonely, um, Mm -hmm. which is like not a word I often use because I separate loneliness from aloneness, but I would say that was loneliness. Cause I mean, I just, I wasn't connecting with people. I wasn't having human connection and it was emptiness. I look amazing, but I feel nothing. And um, it was a lot of guilt if I did do social things. Because I was like, oh, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be having this glass of wine. I shouldn't be having this food. And so, I mean, that's obviously no balance.
1: Right. And so what I would say is, first of all, with loneliness is I find that loneliness, feeling alone and isolated while they're similar there's also some nuance there as well and there's a little bit of difference between them and that can be a really big trigger that can take people off track and make them sol- start to self sabotage and even if we have a great support system and we're surrounded by a lot of people we can still feel isolated or alone or lonely and so that's one area that i work with clients on but the connection is really important. And so when we talk about finding balance, I think where there was a lack of balance is what were you working towards? Like, what was your ultimate goal with getting to the 12% body fat and losing weight? Like, was the process for you? Or was it what you felt like you should be doing?
0: Oh, my gosh, if you're asking me that, honestly, which I feel like no one has, I mean, it was the goal was aesthetic. Yeah, Uh it really wasn't I don't think it, I think it um, went away from being about me. I lost that. Maybe in the beginning it was for me. And then it was like, oh, I'm starting to look good. Well, how much better can I look? And I lost track of what I was doing it for. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah,
1: yeah. and so that's where there's a little bit of accommodation going coming up. And I'm, I think we're going to talk a little bit about diet culture. But a lot of times when we're going through the process of wanting to lose weight or following a specific way of eating... A lot of times when my clients talk about it, they're saying, I feel like I should be doing this, or I feel like I have to do this in order to reach my goals. So whether that's like resisting food, more counting calories, counting macros, all of that is coming from a place of feeling like they should be doing it, which is really accommodating what they feel like is the right thing. But what we really want to get clear on is what is it, what are you choosing and what do you want and need? And that's how you can find more balance because if it's coming from a place of choice and coming from within and something that you're choosing to do, then it's not as easy to have resentment or even have guilt and shame around it because it's coming from more of something that's aligned with you and your values.
0: For sure. And I know that as a coach, you feel me like every time you say the word should, it feels like someone's stabbing me. That word yeah. is so powerful. And what do you tell people when they're having like the case of the shoulds, you know, spiraling into the, oh, I should be doing this and shouldn't be doing this.
1: Yeah. One of the biggest tools and question, like a line of questions are really tools. And what I really tell people to do is if they're feeling like they should, they must, or they have to flipping that to what am I choosing? And it can be really powerful. So one example that I have is I was doing events and going to wellness fairs and stuff and working those on the weekends. And when I would get home, I would say, Oh, I feel like I should follow up with everybody and just do everything that I need to do to get like to stay ahead of things. And what I realized is it was feeling like if I didn't respond right away, that I was going to be letting these people down, even though they may not have an Expectation for me to respond to them on a Saturday or to reach out to them on a Saturday. And as soon as I flipped it to what am I choosing, and realizing that if I were to spend the hour on that Saturday and just re- follow up with them, it was going to allow me to clear up my headspace and I could start off Monday with a clean slate and not having to catch up again. And just by flipping that to what am I choosing, was really helpful. And the reason I realized that I was accommodating these people that I had just met was because while I was doing this working, I was also eating chips. So I was mindlessly snacking at the same time. And that's when I realized that there was something that was out of alignment for me that I was coming from a place of accommodation as opposed to coming from a place of choice. And so that's really what we want to get to is coming from a place of choice as opposed to the accommodation of feeling like you should, you must, or you have to do something.
0: That's so good. You have such a mind like mine. I I just feel so similar to you. (laughs) Okay. So after that whole conversation about my lack of balance, say that I'm someone not saying this is me, but also maybe this is me. Maybe I (laughs) want I get back into my jeans after a long pandemic, you know, of being pretty sedentary. So, how could we set house goals and navigate them in like a body image conscious way or like a not shitting way, like you just described? Staying connected to ourselves, staying aware of choosing.
1: Yeah, I think one good place to start is like what's worked for you in the past and. How can you make that work for you now with your lifestyle and realizing that what might work for you one day or one week may need to be adapted and adjusted and being able to be a little bit fluid with what is happening because your schedule can change. Your needs can change from, from day to day or week to week. And so just being able to reevaluate along the way can be really helpful to check in on continuing to ask yourself, what am I choosing? And also figuring out like, how do I need to adapt in order to make this work for me and checking in on what is working and where there might be some disconnects and how you can um, adapt to that. Because I think a lot of times we are so focused on these hard and fast rules, but not really realizing that we can adjust as needed based on what is happening in our life and our lifestyle at, a, at any given time. That's so good. That's, it's so hard to accept that like,
0: yeah, something's different right now and that's okay. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's a place I have, I have to go to. Like this is where I am.
1: Yeah. That's- and one of the hard things too, is that transitions I have found create a lot of uncertainty and sometimes some vulnerability. And that's when It can be really hard to stick with our healthy eating goals or just goals in general, because we feel out of control. And when we're feeling out of control in different areas of our life, we feel out of control around food often. And so we've been going through a big transition for the last 10 months because things are constantly changing. And so continuing to build our resilience can be helpful. But then also as we're continuing to transition, when we can figure out how to adapt and adjust that can be really helpful um, to kind of like ground us throughout this time of uncertainty as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So this is a big one that I had to ask. So I was like downloading my phone pictures onto my Mac and like the universe decided to test me in this big way. It just showed up and was like, Hmm, let's see what she does about this. That photo, the selfie in the mirror, that was the cover photo when I uploaded all of my like thousands of photos onto my computer. So what came up for me was a lot of emotions. I had a, a storm of negative emotions when I saw my smaller body from a year ago. So I mean, my, question is like, how do we manage hard feelings that come up when we see old pictures of ourselves that are probably in a smaller body or a different body?
1: Yeah. So first I'll start with saying that that is what is what's coming up there is stemming from an emotional stress response. And so I haven't talked through this yet. But I'll just share this process of when we're feeling like we are eating out of alignment with our goals, there's a cycle, an unconscious cycle that's going on. And it starts with a trigger. And I mentioned earlier, feeling lonely is one of them. But there's also feeling tired, inadequate, anxious, mm-hmm. and lonely are the four. So it's, an acronym of tail. Okay. From there, we have a story that was created earlier in life to kind of protect ourselves. And um, we didn't have a lot of context. And so a lot of times we made things about us and that's how it was developed. From there, we have a stress response. And there's three stress responses. So just like how animals go into fight, flight and freeze mode, when our emotional safety is at risk, we go into competitor, accommodator, or avoid stress Mm -hmm. response. And then we and I'll come back to those because this is going to answer your question. Um, Mm -hmm. From there, we have a behavior. And then we end up eating out of alignment with our goals or on an automatic pilot stress eating, mindlessly eating, however, it shows up for you. And then we lose self trust, and it loops back into the trigger. So to break down the stress responses, when you're explaining, comparing yourself to an older version of your body, that's the competitor that's coming in. So the competitor and this is the behavior that I'm curious if you ended up eating out of alignment or if you started to get into a crisis mode of feeling like I need to get back. I'm behind. I'm I'm off track. Um,
0: but yeah, ordered jets pizza.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's the cycle, right? Like your trigger was seeing this picture, which brought up your story, which we don't know what that is yet. But then you got into that competitor mindset of feeling probably behind comparing yourself to an old version of yourself, it can also be comparing to others. So um, people will talk about seeing somebody who is in a smaller body to them and might think that they have it easier, that they don't have to work so hard, and things like that. So or for me, it In my business, I compete where I constantly feel behind. I feel like I need to take on more, push more, work harder, do more. And then that depletes me. So um, yeah, for you, it sounds like you were comparing to an old version of yourself. And then what were some of the thoughts that were coming up for you when you were looking at that picture?
0: I was like, that is so far away that I, there's no hope right now. So then I just ordered the Jets pizza. Cause I was like, well, I'm completely, I was in a hole of that's not me anymore. And I want it to be me, but I can't get there. I felt helpless. And then I was like, well, then I might as well eat like a lot of stuff.
1: (laughs) Yes, Yeah. And so it depleted you in a way of like emotional depletion where you were comparing yourself and then feeling behind and feeling like hopeless that you could ever get back to that place, right? So that's where it comes up a little bit. And for people who are listening, it can be comparing yourself to an old version of yourself. And again, like in terms of the stress responses, even talking about The accommodation, that can be where we don't want to rock the boat. We feel like we need to help and fix other people. And our needs aren't always, we don't always focus on our needs. We're focusing on other people's needs ahead of our own. And then the avoid stress response. If you're a procrastinator, if you don't take action, build things up, like build up your to-do list, that's a stress response as well. And that's often when we're in those, all of those deplete us in different ways emotionally. And then a lot of times we turn to food.
0: That's so like, my mind is blown by all of that. Cause that's, that just fits so perfectly and makes so much sense to add something that did not make sense to me honestly so it's yeah
1: and that's what clarity is a huge tool when we can just be able to label it and realize that it wasn't just that you were lacking willpower or discipline like there was a reason for you ordering jets and for you comparing yourself to this old version of yourself and so as we can unpack all of that unpack the story that triggered that and everything that goes into it then that can be really empowering and it can really help so that we don't need to continue to to food. And had you known that this was the competitor stress response, you may have been able to at least pause, catch yourself and figure out like how you can connect instead of compare to this old version of yourself. And hopefully that would make it so that you don't eat or not eat as much. And we always want to look at the, any of the changes. So whether a binge is smaller, if it's shorter, if you're able to recover faster, if you don't have as much negative self talk around it, those are all the things we want to look at, because it's not necessarily that you're going to be able to quote unquote, resist food right away, but it's just more of not having to turn to food um, in the same way that you have in the past. That's amazing. So when you're in
0: this, like this response, this trigger, you can practice the pause, like you said, and then you can take your power back because you can- catch yourself in the process and take your power back. So, I mean, that's something that that's blowing my mind because I I already feel my power coming back. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) I'm right here in this shift of, yeah, I mean, I'm about to go back to the gym because I'm um, vaccinated and I'm just on the verge of wanting to embark back on a health journey, but in a conscious way.
1: Yeah. And one tool that you can use too when you're finding that you're comparing in some way is you can ask yourself, like, how can I connect instead of compare, which can be challenging when it's to ourselves, but like, how can you ground into what's important for you and your goals? And if you're comparing to somebody else, like how can you connect with them as opposed to comparing? For people who are avoiders, it's like breaking down the steps that they need to take in order to take action. Because when we're building up our to-do list so much and or building up our to-dos, it can get really overwhelming. So what's one step that you can take to take action? And then if you're accommodating and finding that you're putting other people's needs ahead of your own... Where's the win-win? So how can we make sure that your needs are being met as are the other people's and, or the other persons. And you may not know, so you might have to ask them, but those are some of the tools. And there's some other questions that you can ask yourself when you're finding your, you're in any of those stress responses, but that's just one tool for each of those stress responses that might help people with, if they find themselves in them.
0: Yeah. So you really just, I mean, you answered my next question, but really my next question was sort of me looking ahead. Like how do you approach a mindset that's sort of feeling powerless in changing the way you view your body, which is me looking at my old photo. Like, like we said, Um, how do we take some responsibility for loving the body we're in? Like, here's where I am so that we can create a real shift towards accepting ourselves even while on this journey to improve ourselves. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it can be really challenging and It's kind of like our weight is, do we ever necessarily arrive? And I'm sure some people get to a place where they do have body acceptance. And I would also say that when our stories are triggered or our stress responses are triggered as well, like I said, for myself, there were some, there are some days where I feel really great about my body and feel really comfortable in it. And then there are other days where I feel quote unquote fat and like, I need to do something to fix it. And what I realized is that often when I am feeling quote unquote fat, that's where I have a lot of uncertainty or there's a new level of vulnerability in my business and overnight, like my body doesn't change, right? It's how I'm viewing, how I feel about myself. And so really working through our stories and these stress responses and basically that whole process that takes us into that automatic pilot eating or stress eating helps so that we can get to more of a neutral place and figuring out what is important to us with our bodies. And it's really a process. And then also understanding like what the triggers are that lead you to focus on your body. Because I thought for me, it was kind of like a comfortable resting place. Of when I had this level of uncertainty, instead of focusing on that or feeling the discomfort and feeling the feelings that I was having, I was focusing on my body because it was almost like the thing that I could fix, even though I wasn't necessarily fixing it. And it was creating a lot more stress. It was a place that I could focus. So I didn't have to focus on the hard things that were coming up.
0: Yeah. So it's sort of self-abandonment. Yeah. Yeah. So confession, like I have not weighed myself at all because I thought I would have a meltdown. (laughs) So like, obviously, I mean, I I don't know if you agree. It's like, we should be weighing ourselves at some point in our health journey. Maybe, maybe not. My question is, what about our relationship to a scale? How can we approach that without the meltdown?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the scale is so challenging because it's the meaning that we make from the scale or from the number on the scale that is really hard, right? And so some of my clients like to weigh themselves fairly frequently. And you hear, I hear people say like, I just need to have a checkpoint. So I weigh myself every day to, it's a way that I can see whether I'm succeeding or not, or that I'm having, um, that I'm on the right track and then they can either course correct or not. What ends up happening though, a lot of times is if they see that they've lost weight, then they feel good. And sometimes they're able, they're like, great, I'm going to keep up the momentum. Other times they're like, yeah, I'm doing really well. So this is like my free pass. So I'm just going to eat whatever. And when they see that the scale's gone up, then they feel like they're failing, right? So a lot of times we're looking at the number on the scale as really black and white, and it is a way to pass judgment on whether we're succeeding or failing. And where we want to get to with the scale is for it to become a data point instead of an endpoint. And just one piece of information that we're using to... to not really gauge whether we're even succeeding or failing, but just I use the scale just to as like a checkpoint almost, and I don't really use it to pass judgment. And if I find myself going down that rabbit hole of, oh, man, I've put on a pound or two, and now I need to get back on track, then for me, that's a sign that there's a story that's happening there. And that this is a way that I'm what we what I call closing a story loop of saying whether I'm succeeding or failing. So really the whole thing is how can we make the scale just one data point and figuring out what else is important to you and what other context will help you figure out whether things are working for you or if you need to adjust along your journey as well.
0: So sort of the neutral point that I think you mentioned to me off the record, right? Like stay stay neutral.
1: Yeah. And figuring out like what, role the scale is playing for you too, can be helpful. And like, if you don't feel like the scale is necessary and you are using how your clothes feel or, yeah. you know. I think like, I'm
0: gonna use my eyes this time around. I like that. I, I think me and the scale just aren't working
1: out. Yeah, right now. break up with it. <laughs>
0: uh, well, you are so incredibly helpful. So I'm just wondering if we could say something you would go back and tell little 13-year-old you and Weight Watchers to kind of prepare her knowing what you know now.
1: Yeah. So I would say to my younger self, um, I wish I could teach her how to find more context and nuance in situations. Because looking back, there were so many situations that I took personally and made about me because I didn't mention this, but I was bullied a lot in middle school and high school, which I think is part of what led to my weight, um, to gaining weight and to eating. But after doing the work that I did with my health coach and also the work that I do with my clients, I now know that it isn't always about us and it could have saved me a lot of heartache and pain to be able to figure out or know how to bring more nuance and how to find more context in these situations. But I also know that like, Every experience was a lesson in some way and it made me stronger also. And if I hadn't been bullied, I'm not sure that I'd be in this line of work at this point. So I would just tell myself that everything turns out great and that uh, everything that I went through when I was younger paved the path to get me to where I'm at now and the work that I'm doing too.
0: That's so good. And you've reached such a positive, helpful destination from a tough path, honestly. So thank you so much. So um, we're going to get into part two, but I want to make sure for this one that, that you tell people where to find you.
1: Yeah. So I have my website is laurabfolks.com. And on there, if you're struggling with self-sabotage and feeling like you're lacking willpower or self-discipline, there's an ebook on there that gives you a four-step process that I take my clients through to help you figure out what's leading to that. And it helps break down some of what I talked about earlier with like the triggers and the stress responses. So there's that tool on there. And then I'm also on Instagram at and on Facebook at Laura B. Folks as well. And I'll include those, yeah, in the show notes.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much.